freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. Well, none of those people are here. But I think we have a pretty good cast of substitutes. Welcome to the Brock and Salk Show. Mike Lefko, Ryan Roland Smith, who is bleary eyed and barely awake. How you doing over there, bud? I'm 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 hanging in there. He's That's, with me today. I'm hanging in there. I, I've been up. I think I said this what ten minutes ago. I'm like, I don't know if I've been up at this hour for what three years or so. Two years, three years. Oh, I wish I could say. Welcome that. to the early AM. <laughs> Morris here. We have a full cast too. I don't even know where to start. There is so much going on. So Ryan Roland Smith's here. We got to talk about your crazy coffee order. But back there on the other side of the glass, we have not just Mora, we have the well-traveled European man himself, Justin Barnes, oh. is back. He's been gone for like seven weeks. Guten Morgen, Lefko. Yes, I don't know what that means, but the good <laughs> we morning, I guess. We were just talking about Germany, what, 10 minutes ago? So hold on a sec. So I didn't realize you, Europe we're talking here. I just saw, because I, I was getting a few emails, like I said, I'm half asleep right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, leading into this show, I saw something about jet lag, packing a bag. Where have we been? Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend and I spent the last week in Austria. Just oh, wow. Try, we were like, let's go to the snowy Alps. Is that where you got that jacket from? The big bird jacket? No. All right, this, this <laughs> it does look, though, <laughs> relatively Bavarian. And he was stranded uh, in an airport. But... And we were like, yeah, let's go, let's, let's go see some snow in the Alps. Go to a... Uh, Go to watch the Sound of Music tours and everything. It was like 60 degrees and sunny, and it was like 20 degrees and snowing here. Because I brought up Germany. I didn't even realize. I didn't even put two and two together. Oh. I brought oh, up yeah, Germany. I, I, said, I said, oh, you know how I got a chance to go to Germany early, in the, like you know, a couple months ago for the WBC qualifiers. He's like, oh, yeah, we're in Germany like an absolute expert. I'm like, oh, hold on a minute. Well, we've, we've traveled to these regions, have we? <laughs> well, I, no, I, I had just uh, been in Frankfurt and... Um, mines. I he think? had an eight-hour layover there, so I had a, yeah. I, I was like, I left Man. left the airport and explored a, a town there by myself for a day, and nice. yeah. Otherwise, it was beautiful and fun. And now I just don't know what day it is or kind of where I am. I was gonna say, do you have any idea of what's going on right now? What time it is? What day it is? Where you are and what's happening? It's very difficult, Lefko, because yesterday I was supposed to be leaving Austria at six thirty-five a.m. and got an email at ten thirty p.m. saying the flight was canceled, and then I would they would be reaching out to me with. With uh, with options. How, how was the customer service? I got to ask this because in Australia it is shockingly bad. <laughs> Australia, look, Australians are always you know laid back and you know lifestyle is you know all about you know relaxing, but the customer service is so they're, they're so they're, they're they're shocking. How is it where you were when you're talking about a flight being canceled the night before? How, how what are we working with? It, I would out of a t- scale of zero to ten, I would give them a solid three point five. Okay. okay. <laughs> So not good, I know. Well, I was told that I was going through Geneva, and then I got an email that's saying I was going through Dulles and D.C., and ultimately I get to the airport, and it's like, nope, you're going through Denver now. I was like, okay, this is is a disaster. (laughs) But I made it. Well, we'll let Justin get settled in. Good morning, and then they're about to travel, and they're going right to Arizona after this. That's right. Some right. some people some, some people so. on this show Who take off early. You Europe two are working. Like, Good I'm job. I'm gonna work the very next day and then get on a flight to Arizona. Exactly. Yeah, the man hasn't slept. It'll you know, fine. he got here. Literally walked Respect. in. His his Love door it. came right here, and then they're going to Arizona. So yeah, Brock and Salk will be live at spring training all next week. Justin and Mora are going down there uh, right after this. But we got to talk about 
the big stuff. We're going to get into plenty of baseball. Ryan Roland Smith here. So, yeah, we're going to talk about a lot of baseball because the Mariners' spring training opener is today. You can catch it on our airwaves at 12 o'clock, 12.10 first pitch. But I learned something about you today. By the way, I just opened up Twitter to find out that you wanted to discuss this. Go ahead. Yeah. Go for it. You're a... You're a man that is pretty smart with how you spend, right? Can I phrase it that way? Fair enough. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> you, you've said that. I'm not saying yeah. that. Like, you are very resourceful. I don't waste money. You no. don't waste money. On and flights? I, I can drive, but yeah. <laughs> so, um, for, some, for some context, everyone, and Tamora and Justin, I, I called you last night, and we're like, blah, 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 talking about the show, and then I kind of offhand said, well, I stopped at Starbucks on the way in. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, can you pick me up something? I said, yeah, no problem. Just text me your order. And what do I get but the most, I don't know how to phrase this, the most surprising order from you, from someone I did not expect to be that sophisticated with now, what they order from someone. Are you they, high maintenance? Yes. Apparently, I yes. didn't want to okay. say that, but... Uh, now, just to, just, and again, to give a little bit more context, Mike, you and I have gone back and forth, and I have tried to make fun of your favorite hobby... Do I call it a hobby, or are you considering yourself a serious athlete when we're talking it's pickleball? turning it on me here. Are we t- we're, okay. It's so, truly a hobby. So yes. we get back and forth a fun about hobby. pickleball, and at some point we're going to get a sponsored event where you and I play pickleball. It's yes. going to be a huge crowd. I'm gonna, I have a certain trick shot that because I've played twice pickleball, and I have yeah. a certain shot that I know that can beat you. Then I'm not going to tell you what it is. So we've gone back and forth, and last night I felt like we were really sort of vibing. We got on the phone, and it was a little bit late. And we're talking about the show today. And you said, oh, hey, look, yeah, how about I pick you up a coffee? And I said, yeah, great. I'll Venmo you back, which you may or may not get that Venmo. Uh, <laughs> but when I, So when I hear that from you, I'm like, this is a man of the people, you know, baseball player, a guy who probably just gets up, rolls out of bed, you know, black coffee, maybe a little bit of cream. <laughs> it was go. the exact opposite of what you wanted. <laughs> it was just very surprising. Are you going to? Tell us. Are you going to tell? Are you going to lay it out there? I had. Because okay. I couldn't even. I didn't understand there was a name. <laughs> there was a name. Like, he had a name for it. It's, hold on a sec. Well, well, just to make it, I was just trying to streamline it for you. Okay. I because, did appreciate that. Yeah. All right. It's such the suspense. Now, if, I will say this. The movie Zoolander. Remember Zoolander, the orange, orange mocha frappuccino. frappuccino. That's what it sounds you. like. Exactly. Yeah. It sounds nothing like that <laughs> at all. It's All it is, and I'm holding it up right now, it's just a venti. Latte, venti latte with four shots. That's it. And wow. and Mike Rebecca goes, oh wow. I said, wait, of espresso? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, just, a, that's a lot. That's just the size, the type no, no, of no. drink, no, and no, then no. extra shots in Thank it. You. Thank you. Thank yep. you. Extra shots of exactly. coffee. It's not like he's getting like syrupy no, the, sweet. The, like- the problem you had was the fact that I said, just tell him a venti quad shot latte, <laughs> quad shot venti latte, whole milk. That was the exact order. Well, see, that's where Starbucks makes it <laughs> sound you. more. I know. The venti. Streamline. Like, but that You're seemed welcome. very high maintenance for a man of your stature. Yeah, uh, fair enough. When I say the word latte, it just yeah. sounds like, yeah. The, because <laughs> there's a silent My dad automatically thinks it's a fruity drink just oh, big you time. say, like, latte. My father-in-law He's cannot. Like, never. He cannot comprehend the fact that I'm paying five plus dollars for a <laughs> coffee drink. When you can just get, pour that bad boy out of the drip and you're good to go. So. I, I agree. And sometimes, you know, if I, I get it. Sometimes it's like, oh, coffee black when I'm really just deep down, deep down. I just want my, I just want my special latte. You want the fancy drink. Exactly. I get it. And, and drop $7 time, or whatever yeah, it is There's now. a time and a place for it. So, so I get that. But uh, coming from you, a man who on our airwaves 
has proudly told the story of a plane ticket that you then, you know, got some money back for. So I was just, I was surprised. Yeah, I was very fair, surprised. Fair enough. Yeah, fair it's enough. a good start to the morning. I mean, yeah. we don't need to the talk about sports at 6 a.m. anyway, because we have plenty of time to talk about it. And, and I figured with you up for the first time this early, at, like you said, three years, Justin has no idea where he is. I mean, yeah. it's early for Mora, who is busy celebrating the Bruins Let's win. Go. The real question is, going on. are you going to send a Venmo request? Uh, yeah, good luck yeah, getting that Venmo, know, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Good luck getting that whatever it is, $6. Yeah, he, he can pay up everything he loses in pickleball. What, what, what was the range of price here for this drink? Yours is much more expensive than mine. Yes. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Fair about, about 3 to $4, dollars, yeah. I think. Oh, yeah, they, they'll jack the price up when you start throwing yeah. those extra shots. Yeah. That is for sure. Well, after, okay, after we get through the coffee talk, we do want to talk a lot about spring training because the spring training opener is today. and. It's exciting. It's the it's the start of you know something new, a new season. There are a lot of guys that Jerry Depoto mentioned that we'll hear from coming up at six thirty. There are a lot of rules that I don't think we knew were going to be such a big impact. So we'll talk about that later. But kind of a, a quick thought or impression that you have. We don't have too much time here, but. What was your takeaway? We both uh, listened to kind of a rules presentation from Raul Abanez, who's now MLB's VP of on-field operations. And I think there was some surprise that came out of that. There, there was. I think that, you know, you mentioned that we had, you know, a lot of the, um, you know, the, the media members from from Seattle. But basically, I, I initially thought it was going to be like an MLB-wide thing, mm-hmm. like every team. But it was just specific to the Mariners, which was great. But it was funny. He, he kind of laid it out there. He spent two minutes talking about ah, new rules. And when you look when you, you know, look at on that Zoom call, everyone's like, yeah, we've heard all these rules. And all of a sudden, one question kind of led uh-huh. to another, if you noticed. And it's a lot of these these scenarios that you really don't think about. Now, MLB have thought about all these different scenarios, and some of them hopefully we can discuss uh, in the next couple of minutes here. But it's going to be interesting. I think from a, a fan's point of view, you are going to run into some different scenarios, which are kind of can be a little frustrating if it does end up stalling the game, if you do have a manager coming out of the dugout and questioning, hey, hold on a minute, um, his feet were – you know, for for the shift, for example, that shortstop's feet were not on were not on dirt when the pitch was thrown, etc. Which are going to create some sort of you know, a little bit of frustration in the early in the early goings. But like we always see, everyone's going to adapt to it. Players, fans, managers, eventually. But there's going to be and there's going to be some teams that are going to try and manipulate. The, these rules a little bit. Mm, You're going to see that as well. Yeah. So at 8.30, we will really dive into these uh, the scenarios and like Ryan said, how teams might manipulate them. Some things that you might not have realized because I didn't and I don't think you did either until we, we got the breakdown of what it looks like in practical application on the field. So all that coming up a little bit later. Joe Fan will also join us at 7.30. We got the whole crew back here. Going to be a great show. We're also going to find out coming up next if Bobby Wagner could return to Seattle. It's the Brock and Salk Show. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station on 710 and seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Bobby Wagner is a free agent once again, and the move won't be official until March 15th when the league year begins. But multiple NFL reporters broke that news yesterday that the Rams will part ways with Wagner after the first season of what was initially a five-year, $50 million deal with the Rams. Now, that happened during our show, the Wyman and Bob show. It happened right, right as the show started. So Dave and Bob, who interviewed John Schneider every Thursday, they then asked him about Bobby Wagner, but it turns out because it's not official, he couldn't exactly comment on it. Obviously, amazing player, icon, Hall of Famer, all that. Uh, he's not officially released yet, so uh, oh. he's not on the 
waivers. So uh, congratulations to whoever scooped that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's uh, he's technically still on their roster, and uh, so we won't be able to speak to his agent for a minute or two, which is actually himself. So. All right, we almost got him on tampering charges, but it was wild, Ryan. It was yeah. crazy that yesterday the news happened, and they kept bringing it up intermittently because it had happened, but we had other things to talk about. And without fail, every text kept coming in on the Mac and Jack's text line, which you can text in always as well, 866-979-3776. But on the Mac and Jack's text line, hey, Bobby Wagner got released. Bobby Wagner got released. Yeah. Do you think the Seahawks will sign Wagner? Do you think they'll bring him back? Ash Schneider, if they'll sign Wagner. Just the amount of attention still that For this sure. longtime franchise icon has here. And, you know, I understand you, you have that familiarity, but have you run into that ever in baseball? Is there guys that fans and teams just want even if it might not be feasible anymore for sure and i think for you know from you know fans perspective obviously there's that emotional attachment Mm -hmm. to a player and i think the seahawks when you look at this if they are going to you know pursue this and talk to you know a guy like bobby wagner who represents himself they're in the driver's seat with this really big time because the the position he's in baseball on the other hand when, when you're talking baseball it all comes down to analytics now this day and age. It's not something you want to bring a player back unless it's an absolute icon that last year to bring him back. Albert Pujols, who saw that with the Cardinals. But look, <laughs> you, you, you see it a lot. If if the if he has any kind of value, whether it comes to clubhouse or something, something just to keep him and you can do it cost-effective, sure. But man, it, 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 it's always a difficult situation, for sure. I'll let you have that discussion more with Dave Wyman on Monday. Oh, yeah, let's do it, for sure. <laughs> Here's the second thing you need to know. A lot of Mariners things happening. First spring training game today against the Padres, that longtime rival, the Padres. You can hear it here live on Seattle Sports starting at noon, first pitch at 1210. And it's not televised. That was news to some people here. So uh, you have to listen. Come listen to that game. I know there's going to be a lot of excitement around the opener for the Mariners, what this 2023 team will look like. It's been a while since we've just seen a collection of baseball players playing a game against another team. So that's happening. Uh, So you better listen to it here. Also, Ryan, the M's signed Cole Calhoun to a minor league deal yesterday. The Rangers and Angels killer of the Mariners. He's been all over the division. He's been everywhere. (laughs) Now he's finally on the Mariners. Uh, What are your kind of recollections of Cole Calhoun? Yeah, I think for him, you know, what kind of value does he bring? Uh, you hear this thing, this term about cl- being a clubhouse guy, which the Mariners put a lot of stock into. They put so much emphasis on player personality inside a clubhouse. Now, when you're winning games and he can fill a, fill a void and come in and play once a week, and you know, it's all it's all you know, good vibes, and they're doing beer showers or whatever they're doing in the clubhouse, great. But when it comes down to a situation where is he going to get a whole lot of playing time or you know, take that away from someone else, then you're starting to think, okay, is you know how worth it is this? But look, not a bit. It's not going to be a huge deal if he's a good dude in the clubhouse and he can bring everyone's lift everyone inside that and create that chemistry. Great, but it's not that big of an impact, honestly. Yeah, Mariners also announced yesterday that uh, opening day Thursday, March 30th, against the Guardians is sold out. That's going to be an exciting one. And you know they were supposed to have opening day at home last year, but the lockout pushed the schedule back. So with all the excitement, it'll be good to get uh, the M's here on a true opening day instead of like you know a week after the season begins. Yeah, it's good news. Going back a couple years ago, now you mentioned some of the disruptions, obviously with COVID 2020, you had you know the CBA issues last you know last year, but. To have a full spring training, there's no interruptions, mm, yeah. there's no questions about what's going to happen or protocol or anything like that, and to have that game 
And rightfully so, after everything we saw last year, sold out. I remember you know, a couple of years ago, it was late in spring. It's like, oh, we're trying to sell tickets. <laughs> hey, can you guys promote? Can you guys plug this? Like, wow, different this year. This is, this is a really good sign. Here's the third thing you need to know. Big night of sports in Seattle last night. The Kraken and Bruins had a thrilling back and forth game. They had lead changes, shorthanded goals, pretty much everything. But in the end, uh, unfortunately, the Bruins scored two goals in the final four minutes to pull ahead and win six to five. Congrats, Mora. And uh, I know you caught the end of that one. Yes, I did. You know, you and I were talking about the show, and you said, "Hey, you got to turn this on." I was getting back from a kid's science night. I was all excited to get back and catch the end of it. The minute I turned it on, you could just oh, cut. no. The, um, they scored yeah. the minute you turned it on? Literally, we got, we're on the phone. And I turned it on. I was trying to find it on, on yep. you know, get, get to Roots. I was trying to flick through the channels. And sure enough, I see that, that 6-5 goal. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to turn this off right now. <laughs> Ryan's fault. There That's it is. Fault. Ryan's fault. Right. Well, and you also missed the heartbreak. The Sea Dragons had their home opener, the XFL, the second iteration of the XFL in the last three seasons. Dragons turned to Sea Dragons, but uh, heartbreaking loss. They lost on a last-second field goal to the St. Louis Battlehawks. I do have to say this. I remember when they kicked off a couple years ago and they interrupted. That was, that was around COVID, right? Yeah. That's and what it, shut down the season. That yes, time, yeah. and that was honestly heartbreaking. Not that I'm, you know, going to be fully invested in the XFL, but to see him, to see that come back and kick off. Hey, it, it, I, I love it. I, and the other part of this is too, and you see this a lot with baseball. When you have a, a another league or another outlet for players to get to go play professionally, you got to remember something. When you're a professional athlete and you don't have anywhere to go play. I'm telling you, it, it can be tough because you're not quite at that NFL level, or, or the you know you, you're right in the middle of the of you know going to go play in Europe or whatever it may be for certain sports. When you have an outlet like that, awesome, love it. I was working with those guys, and yeah, just they 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 stayed in a hotel here, sharing rooms for like three months, mm, right. and they're you know most of them aren't like. 19, 20 year old kids. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them had families like that. That's how badly they wanted just to be seen and have this chance at getting Massive. back in the NFL. Yeah. And then Godwin Iguibuque from the last iteration, I think, has probably carved out a spot for himself on the Seahawks with his return work. AJ McCarron looks like a stud. Former Alabama former, quarterback. Former Cincinnati Bengal. He had a cup of coffee with, uh, yes, the Bengals. <laughs> and now he has led two comeback wins for the first place St. Louis Battlehawks. So it, it was actually compelling. Uh, a dramatic game last night. Tough loss for the Sea Dragons. But, uh, yeah, I think more opportunities, the better for these guys. They try to keep that pro dream alive. So yeah. it was it was good. It was good football. It was a, a fun watch. But kind of the irony of two dramatic Seattle sporting events happening. And within minutes, they both lose in yeah. uh, in ton of tough fashion so that is everything you need to know we will catch up on uh, a lot more of what the mariners are doing as they get ready for their first spring training game of the 2023 season it begins today 12 10 first pitch we'll catch up with jerry depoto he'll talk about uh, cole calhoun that signing that happened and mentioned why the mariners uh, wanted him in their camp and jerry mentions one name that should get mariners fans pretty excited about his potential you're here next it's uh, mike lefko and ryan roland smith here on the brock and salk show listen Seattle Sports on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports Station. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Mike. How are we? Uh, we're great. I hear uh, you've got a new minor league deal in place with Cole Calhoun. Uh, we do. Actually, it's uh, it's it's uh, pending physical, so we got we still have one step to take, but don't really anticipate uh, anything that getting in the way and hopefully uh 
Cole gets in our camp as these games start tomorrow and see what we got, build a little depth here. Is this, oh, is it about depth or is it about making sure you can like stick him in Tacoma and not let him go anywhere else so he can't hurt you anymore? <laughs> I, we've, we've been on the, the receiving end of some uh, untimely blows from, from Cole <laughs> through the years. So yeah, between, I think Scott mentioned this morning, between wrapping up uh, Stephen Vogt to, to join our coaching staff <laughs> and bringing Cole Calhoun in, we've, We've done 67% of the work yes. on making sure our nemeses don't haunt us. Yeah, people keep saying you got to make up those 16 games with the Astros. It feels like that right there should at least count for a few of those. Uh, seriously, why Cal- Cole Calhoun? Why why bring him in and why now? Uh, you know, Cole, well, first of all, it's a, it's you're not going to find a better clubhouse guy than Cole Calhoun. Uh, really fiery. I, I've had experience with Cole dating back to his minor league years with the Angels and when he first broke in at the big league level. Uh, has a lot of leadership qualities that you look for. He's he's got energy. He's got passion for it. You know, he's got the the right amount of uh, you know the the that that fiery competitor in him that that stands out and really kind of rubs off on the other guys. So. Now that plus, you know, a really good defensive outfielder who can really throw that, that has a history of hitting right-handed pitchers in this league. And, and he's a guy that I think will benefit with uh, some of the changes in the shifting rules. Mm, Makes sense. So uh, one of the questions I've been asking Shannon each day is, you know, what's the loudest thing she's heard as she's walked around uh, uh, the facility? How about you? As you've been there now for, for the last couple of weeks, what's the loudest thing that you hear on a day-to-day basis? The loudest thing that I hear on a day-to-day basis, uh, probably the intersection between Bryce Miller's fastball and Gino coming in in the morning, and <laughs> you know, with a maybe a sample of Julio taking BP when he gets into one on the pull side. <laughs> so you've talked a lot about Bryce Miller. It's interesting how many times uh, you've brought up his name. You know, w- w- what should I make of that? Is he? He's just. It seems like he's often top of mind for you. Uh, you know, it's just an exciting young pitching prospect. And there's, there's still so much that, that we can learn about what Bryce's ceiling is. You know, he, he didn't pitch a lot prior to getting to Texas A&M. He was a physician player who, you know, pitched sparingly and, and then went to college, pitched as a reliever for the Aggies, then went through his, his first exposure as a starter in what turned out to be a, a shortened, very shortened COVID season. And only had one full season of pitching under his belt when we took him in the fourth round. And he's done nothing but improve in every area. He's athletic. You know, he's performed at each level we've challenged him with. And for for a pitcher of that type of upside and and I guess relative lack of experience on the mound to, to jump through and, and truly dominate on his way to double A in such short time is is pretty impressive. And then we think he's just scratching the surface of what he's capable of. Hey, are, do you still have trade talks going on? I mean, is, is now still a busy time in terms of teams chatting with each other? Yeah, I mean, it's happening. It's not as robust as it was in December and January, but you know, we're still having those conversations and you know, it's a, as camps get going and you know, the, the, the injuries just start jumping out. You know, when you get the the dings and the bruises, you expect those. When you get something more significant than that, uh, there's there's only so far your depth is going to be able to carry you. Uh, and 
you know, as, as such, you wind up, you keep in touch with teams on players you've been interested in and, you know, your, your phone's at the ready in the event that, that something goes wrong, you know, in your camp or elsewhere. And inevitably it does. So those conversations will continue throughout the spring. We, uh, we, we read the article, the Tom Verducci article on Jared Kelnick and looking forward to seeing him when we get down there next week. Uh, what do you make of the swing changes he's made and, and how much can that be helpful to him moving forward? Uh, he's another one of those loud things, you know, the ball coming off his bat right now is, is loud. He's Jared's in a really good place and he's, uh, he's, he's generally been very quiet in, in the way he has approached it. You see a maturity that has, you know, that has evolved over time is, uh, he, he's carrying himself in a different way in this camp. And I think it's, a in, in a good way, he's, he's evolving and maturing as a player, and and really, we've seen him grow as a person. But uh, the the swing changes he's made he's made they're fairly evident when you're watching his swing. It's not one of those where you look and say, "Boy, it's hard to see what changed." You know, mm-hmm. you do see a change in the bat path, particularly the angle through the zone and the finish. And you know, right now he's he's on everything he's throwing. He's got a great routine that he's working through in the mornings and, and during BP and. Uh, it's, uh, I've said for you know a couple of years now. It, it, the talent is so big, and and his work ethic is is so real. And I, I have a hard time believing that he's that he's not going to find success at this level. And and hopefully this is that time where he breaks through. How much of his issues do you think have been swing related, as opposed to the other you know elements of the game, whether it's pitch recognition or you know emotional regulation, or any of the other things? what percentage of it do you think was swing related? Uh, you know, I don't know the answer to that. It's a, it's probably some combination of many of the things that you just mentioned and probably some others. It's, you know, that's, that's growing up, that's maturing, that's, that's understanding your skill set and how to apply it. But, you know, Jared's always had a good swing. So he's been a flat swing, which is, I think why when he was coming through uh, the, I guess the amateur ranks and, and into the draft, he was always forecast as an average power guy. You know, it's a, that, that this, it's a pretty swing. He's going to hit for average. Nobody ever really gave him, you know, the, the potential upside in the power department because he had more of that kind of flat gappy swing. And, you know, it, you don't have to watch Jared Kelnick hit too much to recognize that there is really high end power. <laughs> and, you know, and that might be what has shown first in the big leagues is that he does have, you know, real power. And, you know, this might be an opportunity to blend what it was, you know, originally a, a, a really polished hit tool as, as a young amateur player and, and let his two skill sets meet, you know, the skill set that he's picked up as a pro, which is driving the ball over the wall and, and the skill set that he had, you know, as a, as a young player entering professional baseball. And, uh, and a lot of it is just about pitch recognition. You don't see the types of breaking balls, especially the breaking balls, but the high spin fastballs at the top of the zone. You don't see those in, in a ball. Uh, it's like you will see them in, in the American League West. So those are adjustments that all players have to make. Hey, you know, one guy that, that we haven't talked a, a ton about is uh, the, the guy you got back from from Arizona, Cooper Hummel, in the uh, Kyle Lewis deal. I'm trying to figure out, I was talking to Shannon about it yesterday. You know, what, what does his future look like? Is there a path for him to make the opening day roster? Tell me a little bit more about him. 
there is a path. You know, Coop is a, he's a really interesting guy. Um, there's, he's one of the most disciplined hitters in professional baseball. Uh, his selectivity at the plate, the pitches he swings at, the walk rate he draws. You know, obviously he has spent a career uh, in the minor leagues to this point as a very high-end on-base threat. He does it as a switch hitter who has the ability to play either of the corner infield spots, either of the corner outfield spots and catcher. And, you know, the, the catcher part of that is really where he gets intriguing. He's, he's always been a catcher dating back to his, his, you know, little league high school days. He hasn't had a ton of exposure uh, at, at the, the professional levels to catching over the last three years until last year when in emergency, he was thrown back into, you know, a catching I guess role with the Diamondbacks without having had many reps in the previous two seasons, spending most of his time in the outfield. And yeah, it's, it's a hard place to get thrown back in as a major league staff, you know, trying to compete, but you know, we love his offensive skill set. We, we really do value the things he brings to the table. And, you know, he went to the fall league this year and focused exclusively on catching after you know going through last season with, with Arizona as a, an emergency fill and I, I think we saw things that we liked and we're going to see where he is this spring. There is a path to him being on our club. And the advantage that having a third catcher on your roster gives you is that, you know, we have Cal Raleigh and Tom Murphy. Cal handles both lefts and rights and Murph really handles the lefts. And to have a guy that could allow you to DH one of those players on a given day is a real benefit. Well, yeah. And, and I, it makes, as you're talking, I, I, I didn't know he could play third base, how well does he play third? Because I would think that would be another path for him as sort of a backup option to Suarez there. Yeah, he said this is something that's more of a, a developing deal. You know, he's played first, the corner outfields, the corner outfield a lot, and, you know, the, and catcher more recently. And the third base is something we talked about this offseason. He's played it a little bit in, in his minor league past. Uh, he doesn't have any exposure there at the big league level. How good is he at it? Don't know yet. <laughs> I would suspect it's not going to be Brooks Robinson like, but we will we'll give him a shot over there because we feel like those you know that type of utility or versatility really just makes us a much better team if he can handle it. Was Brooks Robinson that good? I, I mean, people are still using his name to describe third baseman after all these years. Was he that good? I, I mean, he's got 16 gold gloves. They That's tell a, a story. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of gold gloves and the highlights that we see, the transition. It's a, I never got to see Bruce Robinson play live. I've only seen him on film, but it's pretty phenomenal when you watch it. Mm. Hey, uh, I see this as really good news um, about Ty France yesterday, revealing to all of us that he was dealing with a wrist injury throughout the, the back half of last year. You know, how, how much do you think that affected his performance? I think it crushed him. And, and, you know, and I admire the fact that he was kind of shucking it off as, you know, I'm, I'm just in a slump up. This isn't about my wrist. Ty's a pretty tough guy. He, as you might expect with a guy who gets hit as often as he gets hit and whose path was late round draft pick who had to show it at every level. I, I think the fact that Ty France turns up on, you know, lists like MLB networks, top 100 players and is an all-star is, there's, he's a really good player who had a really rough second half. But the, you know, from the time that the injury occurred in Oakland and then all the ensuing bang-ups that he had to deal with, it's, uh, I, I think it really took a toll on him. And to his credit, he didn't try to blame you know, that as, the, as the, the, the culprit, so to speak. But 
he looks great in camp right now. He's uh, it's he's it, he's Ty France, and then he can really hit. Good. And and I don't think any of us is going to look at the second half of last year as an indication of what Ty France is about. Well, I, I was so happy to hear it. I mean, you know, it was, I sort of assumed that it was the case and everybody was telling me last year, no, you're crazy. He's fine. I'm like, well, I hope he's hurt because if he's not, that means that, you know, there's a big hole in Thai France that somebody has started to expose. So, you know, obviously great news moving forward. If he is, if he is past that, and I guess that's a lead in then to Evan white, who's had a lot of his own injury uh, issues over the course of the last few years. And we've talked uh, about him a few times in the last few weeks, but uh, Shannon said he's been out uh, taking some outfield as well. Is that a, a potential path for him to contribute as well? It is, you know, and that was part of the plan coming into spring training last year prior to his most recent injury. And um, obviously it never got off the ground much. Evan played a fair bit of outfield in college at the University of Kentucky. He actually played the outfield for Team USA um, prior to, to his draft year. So it's, it's not foreign to him. He's such a good athlete. And right now, he's actually been one of the most high-raising players in camp to this point. His, you know, Evan looks 100% healthy. He checks out in the, in the training room as 100% healthy. We know the the dynamic of of what his defense does on, on our infield, and you know what we're seeing right now in his athletic explosiveness and the batter's box. You know, there's still so much left to be told in, in Evan's story. And you know, our thought was, if he can play a little left field, if he can play some first base and give himself, you know, that, that type of utility again. You know, whether it's first base, left field, giving, you know, giving us a chance to rotate tie in for a DH day. There's so many positives about having Evan on our roster. And right now is about as optimistic as we've been about his his progress as we've been in a couple of years. I found myself thinking through uh, we've been talking a lot about Matt Brash and and by all accounts, he's just looked ridiculous uh, at camp. What had Shannon said that uh, that that J.P. Crawford didn't even know what pitch he was being thrown. So great. The wizardry and just everything that that he's throwing right now. So I was trying to envision a scenario in which he realizes his potential this year and he's just ridiculous. And Andres Munoz continues to grow in a way that he did last year. And you are left with these two guys, both as ultra high leverage relievers in the back end of your pen. What does that look like for you? Because you, you guys have sort of gone away from the traditional traditional closer, which I love. You, you've tended to slot guys in based on, you know, leverage situations. But if you had two that were both equally high leverageable, how, how does that work? So I, I feel like that is representative of what it looked like for us in the last two months last year. And, you know, when, when Matt Brash clicked as a reliever, when we brought him back from Tacoma, uh, he was pretty unbelievable in the second half last year. And, you know, we, we saw it from his first game back when he came in in that big series against Toronto and just lit us up and, and it continued to think that there's even more upside in there, and and frankly, we think there is, is is pretty exciting. And you know, Mooney grew so much from June to the end of the year. They're both young, exciting stuff. And you know, that doesn't even tell the story of the guy in our bullpen who's been the toughest to hit in the league, which is Seawall. <laughs> so it's a uh, you know, he's the one that doesn't throw a hundred, but is is very effective. And what that allows, Scott, is just the ability to shorten up the game. And, you know, you never have to try to push that starter through. You know, we don't have to gamble on the bridge guy 
that comes in in the in the sixth inning you know, to bail you out and and hope that you know they get you to you know the back end of your pen. The back end of your pen can start almost immediately. And with with guys like Munoz and Brash, you don't have to run out you know a triumvirate of you know Brash, Munoz, Seawald to get to an end of a game. You can simply rotate them mm. and keep them fresh and, and make sure that that every night you have. You know that type of dominant reliever to, to insert in a game. I was thinking that too, right? I mean, the ability to kind of keep those guys fresh, and if Bryce Miller is everything that you've talked about him being, I mean, it, it would seem logical that we could see him join that pen if there's no room in the rotation, at least short term. No. Yeah, you could see it. There's actually there's two other guys in our camp that have caught early attention in that space too, maybe three. You know, we talked about Justin Topa. And mm-hmm. what he brings to the table and physical stuff, and we're seeing it down here. Still, don't know, you know, where where Justin will fit or or whether it will translate to on field success. But the stuff is notable. The guy who might have shown the the best stuff to date in in our early BPs and, and live throwing sessions is Prolander Baroa, who is uh, you know he'll, he, he's highly likely to start back in the minor leagues, but from a pure stuff perspective, he's out here sitting on 97 miles an hour, touching a hundred with what at times looks like the most unhittable slider you could throw. And, and that's in the same camp that has Matt Brash, who obviously has the best slider that's ever been thrown. <laughs> but it's, uh, I, I, I think, you know, Perlander has really caught a lot of attention and he came up with a changeup in the off season that looks just nasty. And, his, uh, you know, his, his future may be in our bullpen as well. And, but there's, he's a three pitch you know, mix guy right now who could start. And then there's Gabe Spire, you know, lefty we picked up in a, in a waiver wire deal from Kansas city who has been, you know, re- he's been a revelation. I know Scott and the staff are very excited. He's, he's thrown in the mid nineties. He's got angle and a slider and, you know, it's just different than, than some you know, really there's not been a big left-handed presence in our bullpen. And, and we feel like we can do a lot to help guys like Gabe Spire and Justin Topa. And they don't sound like Edwin Diaz and, and, you know, the, the Josh haters of the world, but we've had a remarkable run with taking guys that, that have that kind of physical ability and a willingness to work and, and helping them become, you know, the best versions of them. Do you think that's something you do differently from other clubs? I mean, I just think of all of the success you guys have had, whether it's Seawald or Sadler, or you know, some of these guys that have not necessarily been huge names elsewhere, and you've really taken them and run with them and throw Brash and Munoz into that list as well. Do you think you scout and handle, you know, relievers differently than other teams do? You know, I, I don't know if that's true or not. I do think that we are, we have a program. We have a system that, that starts with scouting and, and identifying the, the physical attributes that a player brings to the table. And, you know, we, we definitely have a running list of players that we have targeted throughout the league that, you know, obviously don't play for us right now, who we feel like if we could acquire that player uh, or pitcher, we have the ability to turn a couple of dials and, and that's a combination of our analytics department, you know, Joel Furman and, and our analytics group who focus so heavily on pitch quality and usage patterns to our pitching coaches with Pete Woodworth and Trent Blank um, and, and Max Wiener, who's our minor league coordinator. You know, it, it, that trio has done an unbelievable job of, of just sitting down with guys. Woody is, is just a tremendous messenger 
uh, he can he can paint a picture for a player that makes it very easy to understand what we're trying to get to. Trent is I, I is a bit of a a pitch shaping or or pitch creation savant, <laughs> and you know that the the role that Joel plays is Joel identifies what the the optimal outcome is. Trent envisions how you can create that pitch, and then Woody you know messages this is how we're going to do it, and uh, they work so well together and pitchers respond and you, you can sit down with guys like Spire or Topa and talk to them about what they do well. And they're not, you know, they're not oblivious to that. They know what they do well. And, and then we talk about throwing it down the middle. <laughs> it sounds, you know, it sounds crazy, but when your ball moves that much, you know, just, just aim for the big part. <laughs> it's not going to finish there. And it's uh, it's amazing. A great example in recent years has been Drew Steckenrider. You know, Steck had when he got here, uh, he was he was a guy who generally avoided that contact. And and if you pitch like you're trying to get to contact, you're going to find out that you miss a lot of bats because you're ahead and counts. And and then we dominate the zone. As a reliever yourself, you must be so jealous of what of just what the information and everything else these guys have available to them now. So hey, I, before you go, I got to ask you about the traject machine. I'm obsessed with this. Uh, you know, Scott had told us about it and just, just talking to Shannon about it. And, you know, I, I was trying to figure if I were to, first of all, does it make mistakes? If I were to step into the traject machine, is it possible I could get hit or does it not make mistakes? It does, you won't get hit. Uh, and, and I can't tell you whether it makes mistakes. I, my, in my experience, that has not been the case, but you know, they're, they're the machine itself is, it's a phenomenal piece of technology. And, you know, we're fortunate now to have a pair of them, one in Seattle and one here in, in Peoria. And it, it emulates the physical stuff and delivery coming from the actual pitcher that you might see. You know, uh, we, as a matter of, of example, you know, I was, I was an early dummy. And, and I say that, it, honestly, a dummy <laughs> climbing in the cage to face Justin Verlander on traject as we were having the system installed initially last year. And it is very real. I mean, you stand in there and you can't believe how realistic it is. And, and right now this is, we, we just had one uh, installed here in Peoria prior to spring training. And it's, it's a bit of a rage among our players. A lot of the guys are are excited about getting in there and, you know, you, you see them getting into track pitches. It's part of the early morning hitting stations where they're rolling through and, you know, just picking a, a, a pitcher to face each day. And Yeah, I'm sure you'll hear a lot more about that next week when Brock and Salk are down there. That was uh, Mariners President of Baseball Operations, Jerry DePoto and Mike Salk. And before we go longer on that and uh, miss our top of the hour, Ryan, I figured we... We can talk about that Hulk later. Had no clock yeah. integrity yesterday. He, he just wanted to talk about every segment, what he would do when he steps in and faces that machine. <laughs> so you will, I guarantee you, if there's one guarantee I can make, you will hear about that next week when they're, when they're down I'll there live in Peoria. So I'll let uh, Brock and Salk talk about that. We have much more coming up to get to uh, with the Mariners. We'll also have Joe Fan joining us at 730 to talk about that. And I guess, all right, sure. I'll ask him about the, quote, massive breaking Russell Wilson news that... Doesn't seem like a big deal to me, but sure. We'll, we'll mention a story out there uh, about Russell Wilson and what happened uh, in the final days here in Seattle. So that's coming up at 7.30. Plenty of Mariners baseball to get to, including which young guy could have the biggest impact on the Mariners situation in 2023. It's Mike Lefko and Ryan Roland-Smith in. It's the Brock and Salk Show on Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com.